bows, and we all love to get presents, don't we? I know, I, I certainly do. Um, but you know, we can take the present, right, and hold on to it and admire how beautiful it is on the outside and how great it's wrapped up. But if we never open that present to find out what's inside, we're never going to truly know, are we? You know, that's, that's kind of how it is with Jesus. You know, we can know all about Jesus and we can talk about him, and, but if we never truly bring him into our hearts, then we will, we're going to miss what Christmas truly is about. So I, I just encourage you. He is our living hope. He's, he's the hope for sickness. He's the hope for death. He's the hope for everything in our lives. And I encourage you to just open up the beautiful gift of salvation and lordship and invite him deeper into your life this Christmas. Thank you. Lord, I come. I confess. sing this song now of I need you. We need Jesus Christ today. We need him today more than ever. Today we think about the hope that he gives to us. You know the altar is open for you this morning if if you need Christ come to the altar and pray. If you need hope, he's here to give you that hope.
because we trust wholly in you to provide all that we need 
because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my and celebrating God with our tithes and offering. And I would just like to remind you, this is December. We are coming to the end of the year. So if you have a end of the year contribution that you would like to, uh, you know, to contribute, uh, you know, please begin to think about your church in that aspect as far as where you would, where God would have you to give that. Uh, Terry, if you could lead us in prayer.
Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make life new? This child that you deliver will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to the blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land. This sleeping child you're holding is the great I Kelly, I think you get better and better at that each year. I think you do good. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> so this morning as we start into Christmas and the first Sunday of Advent, 
We're going to go to the passage of Scripture of Mary, and of course that's going to be in the first chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at uh, verses 26 through 38, and then we'll kind of mention, uh, you know, verses 46 through 55. So if you go ahead and turn there, and as you're turning there, I want to ask you this question. Uh, you know, how well do we wait? How well do we wait? We don't wait very well. No, uh, you know, see, we wait for things like, uh, you know, Christmas morning. We wait for the toast to pop up. We wait for the water to boil. I did really good yesterday. I, you know, uh, Peggy and I were sitting around and we were drinking our coffee, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm going to make breakfast." So I went and I put on water to boil because I was going to make oatmeal. No, I now I make really good oatmeal. I make really good oatmeal. I had the uh, dried cranberries and I put into the water, and I had raisins, and I put into the water, and I stood there. Waiting for the water to boil. I finally left it and then finally came back and of course it was boiling. So, you know, so we wait for that. You know, how many of you still wait for that plastic thingamabob on the turkey to pop out? How many of you still wait for that? You still wait for it? See, I used to, but I deep fry mine now, so I take that plastic out. So, you know, that little plastic thing out. I just... Uh, you know, it's it's really not all that all that good, but uh, you know, uh, we wait for important phone calls, right? Less now because you have a cell phone. So although you have an important phone call coming up, you can still go about and you can still do things. You remember whenever you didn't have cell phones, and you had an important phone call coming in that day. What did you do? Sat there and waited on the phone. I mean, everything that you did that day, you could not leave the ringer sound of the phone. It had to be right there because you had that ever-important phone call that you had to have. How many of you in this time of year, uh, you know, wait for family to arrive? And then we wait for the family to go. Peggy and I spent a week with my mom and dad, and, and I imagine it did get to the point that they were like, okay, you know, my dad's like, okay, when am I going to get to stop making 12 cups of coffee twice in the morning versus making eight cups that I handle? You know, and then he had to get with, he had, he tried to teach Peggy how to do the coffee. Now, you should have seen him because he had to stand over her shoulder as he was teaching her how to do it. And then the next night, he goes in there and he goes, now, did you do it right? And guess what? She didn't. Nope. She forgot. She put the water. She measured it in the, in the holder, but she didn't pour it into the pot because he has one of those ones that you stick your cup underneath it and it fills it. So the water goes in the bottom, comes to the top, and makes the coffee. She left the water in the top. 
So whenever the timer went off to make coffee, there was no water in there to make coffee. So he had to redo things that morning. But we wait for things, right? Hmm. Hopefully you have made it to the passage of Scripture. In verse, in verse 22, or, or verse, I'm sorry, in verse 26, uh, it starts off and it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to the virgin name, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to the man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Uh, could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor in God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her older age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. Watch this. For us, my family, our tribe, our whole nation. I always knew that he'd come, but, well, let's be honest. It's not like I'm from Jerusalem or someplace special. I'm just a girl from Nazareth. And everybody knows that not much good comes from Nazareth. Never has. Angel had come to the wrong house with his announcement. But if that's what God wanted, well, who was I to tell him he was wrong? And Joseph, well, God bless that wonderful man. He could have joined in with everybody else. He could have had me sent away. He could have even had me killed. But he just never broke the promise to marry me. And so when he had to go to Bethlehem for the census, I was honored to ride by his side. Even with heartburn and bloated cankles, 
and nine months of pregnancy behind me. <laughs> you know those women who try different things to induce labor, like going on frequent walks or eating spicy foods? What they should do is go on a bumpy 70-mile trip to Bethlehem. Because not long after I got there, and I'd never done this myself, but even I know it was time. <laughs> and with every wave of pain, I tried to ignore the fact that my family wouldn't be there to help me. And that I'd be bringing this baby into the world without the familiarity of home. But when Jesus finally came, I forgot all of that though. I just wrapped him in cloths and tried to make the most comfortable bed I could for him with the only thing I had, which was an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping then, but I couldn't stop staring at him. There he was. The one the angel had told me about. My heart was so full, I couldn't even find words big enough to express it. young mother to bring a child into this world. It's always been that way. But as I look down at my son, my redeemer, I knew that he would change everything because he'd already changed me. So we think about this, and it, I, I think about the words that she just that she just gave us. She felt alone. She was there with no family other than Joseph in an unfamiliar place. There was no room for them in the inn. They were in a barn. Doing something that she had never done before. She felt alone. There's times even in this Christmas season that we have that we feel all alone, don't we? But we're never alone. We're never alone because of that night. We're never alone because, because Mary was willing to be whoever God needed her to be. So I asked you the question again, how well do we wait? For Mary and her whole family 
for generation from generation. For over a thousand years, the Israelites have been waiting for the Messiah. Mary's great-great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother, from generations, in every one of them, had been waiting for the Messiah. There are times that we wait. After all, I'm the third generation that I know of, of Saddler men that have been professing and been claiming the return of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, for the second time as He comes and He redeems us and He takes His children home. But I know some of you in here that can most probably go back at least four, maybe even five generations of your grandparents talking about Jesus Christ coming again. So how well do we wait? Sad to say that there's a lot of people that have turned away. There are a lot of people that are even skeptical today that sit in the church. Because it's taken so long for God to fulfill His promise. And His Son coming back to us again. For some of us, it's really not that difficult to imagine what Mary said and what she talked about as far as all of her life, she had been waiting for the return of the Messiah. For all of her life. How many of us have been here? I thought the angel got in the wrong house. How many of us have had an experience from God Almighty? And we're like, oh no, that that really wasn't him. How many of us has God came to us and has God talked to us and we're like, well... You know, that's not in my plans, so evidently that's really not a message from God. Or what about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the ones that came after this night that tried to kill Jesus and finally succeeding? You know, we think and we go back and we listen to the Scripture uh, you know, where Nicodemus met with Jesus that first night or that night. Uh, you know, Nicodemus said that we know that you are from God. But they still didn't trust that he was the Messiah. 
or they didn't want him to be the Messiah because he was talking about things that they didn't want to happen. We all too often get tied up in the way that we think things are supposed to happen. And if they don't happen the way that we think they're supposed to happen, then it's not God's hand at work. We forget the fact that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And God's uh, plans are greater than our plans. All He asks us to do is just simply to trust and to be obedient to Him. The Scripture gives us these words, and I find they're, they're, they're fairly simple, but yet they're kind of misunderstanding for us here. Because He greets her and He says, Favored woman, or the Lord has found favor in you depending on your translation. One of the things about this is, is that Mary, for all intense purposes, is a common young lady that lives in a town where nothing good can ever come from, that lives in a region that really isn't all that desirable to live in. She wonders, what can the angel mean? Favored woman, the Lord has found favor with me. We are all common people. None of us are worthy to receive what God has given to us. Here, it's not necessarily Mary, but it's the fact of what God's going to do through Mary that makes her a favored woman. See, there is absolutely nothing special about John Sadler. That was born March the 31st of 1966 in Our Lady of the Lake Hospital in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 45 minutes from July or from April 1st. So close to being a fool, uh, I mean a fool baby. There is absolutely nothing special about me except for Jesus Christ living in me. And by Him living in me and me allowing Him to work through me, then He becomes special and mighty in my life has the evidence of that. See, it's nothing that we do, but it's everything that God does that makes us so great because of the plan that He has for us. 
How many of y'all remember the movie Terminator back in the 80s? Y'all remember that movie? You remember Sarah Connors, the mother? Uh, you know, I know some people don't watch movies, but please come along with me. That ha- it had a really good part in there that I want you to see. Because Linda Hamilton, the uh, actor that played Sarah Connors, uh, she is there and all of a sudden this bright light comes and then a man is standing there in front of her and the man tells her or makes the comment uh, you know, that you are going to give birth to a son and he is going to save mankind. Sarah Connor then says this, and I quote from the movie, I can't even balance my checkbook. I didn't ask for this honor. I don't even want it. Now I know that's from a movie. But trust me, God has came to many of people to give them the gift. And they look at him, and in their own words, they say, I can't even balance my checkbook. I don't want this honor. I I don't want it. And they walk away. Because of the call of Jesus Christ on their life, it's taken them to a place that they don't want. There are alcoholics, there's drug addicts, uh, you know, there's just simply bad people. There's some people that are not bad, but yet they're sinners that God has came to and he has shown them who he was and he has told them about what he wants to give to them and they say, I don't want it. The reason why they say, I don't want it That can vary from person to person. Sometimes we look at it and we're like, I don't feel worthy of what you're giving to me. You know, God has blessings that he wants to pour out on us and that he wants to give to us. But there's times that we look at those and we can't enjoy those because we don't feel worthy. Of the blessing. Because we know who we are. We know deep down who we really are. But he says, I know who I've put in you. And you're great. You're favored. See, I watched... two and a half football games yesterday. I say two and a half because I kept flipping back and forth in between Clemson and Ohio State. I watched most of Oklahoma. Okay, I'll give you, yeah, we'll go with, we'll stay with that. And I sat there in in my little chair, leaned back, and I was excited and I was full of anticipation for those games. But then the turnout wasn't what I wanted. So I got a little sad. 
you know. See, God's taking us another way. Because there's times that we have God in our lives. And there's times that we're all excited about what he's doing. But it doesn't turn out the exact way that we thought it was going to turn out. And we get sad. And I have to make focus and I have to make sure that it might not have been God's plan today. But this morning at 9 o'clock. What did I pray? That the people that God needs to be here with this message, that they will be here. So the words that's being spoken this morning's for us. Because I'm part of it. Uh, you know, we want happiness and we want uh, you know, joy and uh, you know, we want sunshine every single day, don't we? But if we had sunshine every single day, our crop wouldn't grow. Right, Grady? If we had sunshine every single day, we wouldn't be able to sneak up on the deer and shoot them. Right? The leaves would be crinkling underneath our feet. and We couldn't do it. We can't have sunshine every day. There are struggles and there's times that we will have rain. But the rain comes because God knows that we need it. The struggles that we have in our lives, they come because He knows that we need them. So that we can grow. So that we can be stronger. So that whenever the really hard time comes, that we can still have hope. We can still have joy. Because we've made it through the rain. Now I've got to find where I'm at. Because there comes a point in time in our lives that we have to answer the question. Just as Mary not that God is asking us to bear the Savior of the world. But He is asking us to be His servant. I am the Lord's servant. May it happen, may it all happen as you say. Whenever the sunshine is shining bright on our face, it's easy to answer that. It's easy to say that. But whenever it's raining and there's troubles in our lives and there's struggles and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, we don't see nothing but darkness and the gloom, it's really difficult for us to be able to say, I'm your servant. Whatever you would say, whatever you want to happen in my life, let it happen. We've all heard through the stories and through the many years that we've been at church in Christmas about Mary and about how difficult it was for Mary because, uh, you know, lo and behold, Mary was somewhere in between the age of 13 and 16 years of age whenever this happened. 
She was in a community and she lived in a time that her husband, by law, should have stoned her to death. She lived in a group of people that because of her pregnancy outside of marriage, she was ostracized. If you think bullying is bad today, walk through the town of Nazareth, pregnant, out of wedlock, with all the stones and the pebbles laying around on the side of the road, and every man that is there knows that legally he could pick up these stones and kill you and he'd be okay. The parents. Oh, Mary, how could you do this? We had all this lined up. You had Joseph as a husband and he was going to take care of you. And now you're pregnant and it's not his? Mm. But they also knew about the Messiah. They knew that God was going to send a Savior. They had been waiting for this Savior to come. Why didn't they see it? Why didn't they believe it? Because it didn't come in the manner that they thought it was supposed to be. didn't happen the way that they thought it was supposed to be. But I know, I knew that this baby was going to change everything. Because he had already changed me. That night, whenever Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ, do you realize that everything changed? Mary's life changed. But what about the calendar? The way that we even tell time, the day, changed on that day. There has never been a person, there has never been a government, there has never been a prime minister, there has never been anyone or anything that has changed this world the way that this birth and this baby did. I know or I knew that he would change everything because he's already changed me. 
He's already changed me. Changed Mary's life whenever she said, Lord, I am your servant. May all these things happen to me. It wasn't at the birth that Mary's life was changed. It was when Mary was willing to say those words that her life changed. It's when we're willing to say those words that our life changes. It doesn't change because of the mere words that we say. It changes because God does what he said that he would do. And Jesus Christ comes and lives within our lives. And that is how everything is changed. Our lives today, as Kelly comes for the altar, you're, you've got the offertory here. See, on that night, everything changed because of the birth of Jesus Christ for the world. But for Mary and for us today, Everything changes when we're willing to say that I'm your servant. Everything that you say, may it be in my life. We just simply open it up. Whenever we receive him as our Lord and as our Savior, we give him control of who we are. And whenever we give him that control, that's what we're saying is everything that you have planned for me, may it be. Remember, he knitted us together in our mother's womb. He had a plan before for our lives before we were even conceived. We are saying yes to everything that he says. All of those plans that he had prior to us even coming into this world. God, whatever it would be, that's what I want it to be. Whatever you say, that's what I want to do. It's a whole lot easier to say it than it is to be it. It's a whole lot easier to say that I'm your servant than it is to be that servant. This morning, that's where we are. Whenever we're here, we're beginning this celebration of Christmas. The Advent candle is lit. The light of this world is shining brighter and brighter each week as we get to the celebration of His birth on that Christmas morning. 
but we start by saying, I'm your servant. And then we actually be his servant. This morning, it's a call of obedience. We're here. And he is saying to us, I want to change your world. Will you answer that question? Will you say, yes, I am your servant? But then will you be that servant that he needs you to be? Let's stand this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you just simply want to come to the altar this morning and say, I will be that servant that you call me to be. But I want you to remember what you're saying that I will be too. That the person that he designed, that life that he designed before you were even born, that's where you're walking. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou habitest me. Father, we thank you so much, dear Lord, for this day and for this service. Hey, oh God, we thank you for the hope that you have given to us. God, I pray that you would be with each one, dear Lord, today, God, as they profess to be your servant. God, I pray that you would give them the strength, dear Lord, to actually do and to be who you would want them to be. In Jesus' name, amen.